2: Hello and welcome to the HP Podcast, your weekly video game podcast about video games. I think I just made myself redundant there. That's okay, though. I'm here with Brandon. What's Brandon, up? How you doing? Doing good, man. Hair's looking extra gender today. Thank you. Thank you. I didn't um, say it was a compliment. Well, it is to me.
1: Okay. Well, it um, actually was. As but... a member of the Ginger Party.
2: Yes. The, is that a political <laughs> party or like a party party?
1: Yes. Okay. Cool. How's yeah. it going? Really great. Yeah? Um. Really, really great. I had pearl geese for for dinner? Uh-huh. And
2: I love pierogies. Were they fried or baked? I boiled them and then pan-fried them. Okay. See, I can tolerate pierogies if they're fried. I don't like them all floppy and wet. It depends. I grew up floppy and wet. Um, if you know what I mean.
1: <laughs> um, I think we all do actually at the beginning. I, I started out um... floppy and wet. <laughs> but I was uh... born in the floppy and wetness. <laughs> but I uh, know it's delicious. I chopped up Three entire sweet onions um, and uh, browned them up. Got some garlic in there. Shits on a shit ton of garlic. Probably too much garlic. But I say there's no such thing. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, just put some butter and some some rogues in there, dude. The yeah. classic cheddar. Nothing fancy here. I think it was just Mrs. T's. But... Right. Um,
2: you didn't make them from scratch oh
1: absolutely the fuck not no Um, so as noble as a pursuit as homemade pierogies would be yeah um, it's way too much fucking
2: work you mentioned um, you you mentioned the onions Mm. and the sweet onions Mm -hmm. I I hesitate to say this but I feel like I could like I've eat I feel like in the past I've eaten a sweet onion just like by itself like like an apple
1: yeah I mean to be honest three entire onions was was Probably not the recommended serving size for the amount of progis that I got. Yeah. Like, so some bites were mostly onion with a little bit of progie in them. Yeah. But that's exactly how I like it. Um, if there's one thing I do like, it's garlic and onions, right. usually together in that combination. Understood. Um, And uh, I, I don't have any shame about it. Yeah. You don't like my breath. I don't know what to tell you.
2: Yeah. Also here, uh, the Bears fan himself, Davey Wavy. Dave, how you doing?
0: I'm doing okay. I'm, I'm warm in my yeah. in my Chicago Bears sweater. Yeah. Um so yeah, I can't complain. It's a nice day outside though, so I don't know if I have to be warm. Yeah, it's a fucking beauty out there today.
2: Would you classify what you're wearing as a a sweater or a hoodie? Like I do you do you have a distinction for hoodies?
0: Uh yeah, I mean, I say sweater, but... Right, that's what I'm asking. People... Like,
2: is that actually a sweater? Like, is it a lighter material? Or is it a hoodie that you're calling a sweater?
0: I actually, I this I wouldn't even call either, to be honest, because it's just so thin. And that's why I like it. It's just it's just, it's just like wearing a t-shirt, like a long sleeve t-shirt and it happens to have a hood. Yeah. Um, but no, if I wanted to be in a hoodie, then I'd want to be warm. But like, I'm not, I don't right. need to be warm. So I wouldn't wear this shirt because it's just so thin.
1: Wait, so sweaters don't have hoods.
2: That's correct, but people in certain areas call sweaters or call hoodies sweaters.
0: And so they people what do you call, call a sweater? Uh like a an American sweater. sweater. Yeah, just a sweater. It's so not you call that hoodies and sweaters sweaters. T- Tiddly winky woman. It's, it's bum. interchangeable. It's like pop and soda. No. True. We're we gonna get into this? Yeah. <laughs> If I right, don't care about right the pop and the gate, soda debate. Right I can
2: interchange those. I'm just really curious about like if you say, "Grab me my blue sweater, please," because I'm I'm stuck under the car and I need to be warm. Like, let's just pretend you're having someone do your bidding for you, and you tell them, "Grab my sweater," and they bring you like a a a, a thick shirt with a hood on it. And you meant actually you would like your argyle. Uh, Cross stitch pattern sweater. How do you know? The differ? over, yeah. that? different? I
0: chalk that up to an honest mistake. You're making it sound like it's punishable by death in America or something. It's, no, I'm saying and who there has two a... sweaters in the car at once that are that similar? That's I didn't just, say they were in the car. I said you were in the car. Yeah, but yeah. it's that's just okay. We're 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 speaking in in um we're being pedantic here now. But no,
2: no, no we're not being pedantic. Well... If I said hand me the salt and you were like here's here it is and it's black and it's pepper. I would be like, well, that wasn't the salt. Like, words have meanings, Dave. Come on. Wait, you know, no where it word, gets confusing
0: <laughs> is when you introduce a zipper to the fold. So, if you have like a hoodie, but it yeah. has a full zipper on it, yeah. then is that, you know, people have different words for that too. It's, so, no, it's still a hoodie. It, it's still a hoodie. If it it's has a hoodie. hood, it's
1: a hoodie. That's why it's called
2: hoodie. No, that's not necessarily true. Cause, like, we determined already, what Dave is wearing is like a light hoodie. Right. But well, we wouldn't call that a hoodie. Yeah, I would. Well, I wouldn't You'd just go with shirt. I, but if you said <laughs> my hoodies over there and I saw something sitting there with a hood, I would be like, Oh, it's right here. He just used a weird word for it. Mm-hmm. If I saw an Argyle sweater, I wouldn't think you meant that I'd look for a thing with a hood on. What it. about a tank top with a
1: hood? Would you call that a hoodie? Um,
2: <laughs> <What>? <laughs>
1: the That's sad part one. is I've seen those. <laughs> oh my God. I would call that a hoodie. Anything with a hood can be a hoodie. I believe I, I
2: think that's how it goes. Uh I'll go along with that one, but I will not I will not uh not submit. Not the sweater thing. But I will when does it
0: become a cloak? When it when along. it has a cape. Okay. So if it has a hood but it has a cape, then we're yeah. it's it's no longer a hoodie.
1: Yeah, it has to be like flowing, kind of like what Ben said. Yeah. Okay.
2: Below yeah. the knee? Uh I'd say at least mid calf. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Below the knee for sure. Yeah
1: cool never above
2: this show is about video games (laughs) and the things about them that we like to discuss including whatever and anything else that's on our mind um dave tried to immediately shut me out of the conversation about sweaters because he knows he's wrong but that's a different story for a different day um boys how how's the gaming felt this week are you feeling like it's a strong gaming season is it is it slow for you what's going on we'll talk about what we've been playing later but I the beginning of the year was fast and furious. And now I feel like it's slowing down a little bit, but I want to know what you guys are feeling.
0: I feel like news wise, we're, we're, we're in a bit of a lull, but I mean, that's okay because we, we were kind of, I feel like every February and March and April is better than the last. And yeah. uh this was pretty front loaded, but not only big releases, but um, you know, lots of news and lots to look forward to. And you got to expect a bit of a, a bit of a lull uh, yes. heading into summer when we get into you know, summer games fest and stuff like that. So yeah, it's a bit calm, but it's not disappointing. It's, it's, it's okay.
1: Yeah. I'm honestly kind of with Dave. I feel like a lot of the explosion of excitement was towards the beginning. Right. Um, I'm still riding the, the wave of that, so to speak. The fun explosion, Yeah. As it were. The fun explosion, Correct. Um, But uh, I think we're kind of on the back half of that. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm assuming here
2: pretty quickly, I'm going to be starting to play some old games and that's okay. It's really interesting because the first half of this year was so packed that it was hard to keep up if you wanted to play everything that you were interested in. Right. The back half of this year, we know there's some big titles coming, but it kind of seems like we're not going to have a ton of stuff that we're not expecting already. Who knows? Yeah. Hard to say, man. I'm really
1: interested to see how this, the end of this year pans out because some stuff's already got delayed
2: and everything, so. Right. Indeed. Well... On to the news. Via Vicarious Visions Twitter. We've officially merged with Blizzard Entertainment. Our development team will remain in Albany, New York, and will be fully dedicated to Blizzard games. So Vicarious Visions is essentially shutting down and becoming part of Blizzard entirely. Now, we knew this news a while back, but it seems like it's, you know, it's official now. So I just want to take a few minutes and mourn the loss or maybe celebrate the loss. I don't know. It depends on how you feel. Of Vicarious Visions, you know, we've seen the Crash remake come partially from them. Um, we saw the Tony Hawk remakes come from them. Um, Brandon, what? Tell me a little bit about what you're thinking about Vicarious Visions.
1: Um, obviously, thought the the remake of T- Tony Hawk was really great. Um. I guess I'm interested to see what they're going to do after this, because the way that it was worded, it seemed like they were working on other things. And now obviously they're going to be completely working on blizzard properties. Um, so I really wonder if they're going to get the, the go ahead to kind of do their own thing and do something cool in the blizzard space. If, or if they're going to get stuck on some, some back team working on something else, I don't know. I just wonder what it means for that studio in general. Um, and I guess I probably should have dug a little bit more into the article, but um, yeah, I mean, I'm interested to see what they do. Yeah, for sure.
0: Dave, what about you? Yeah, it'll it's it's looking like they'll probably be focused on uh Diablo at least in the short term and I'm just saying that because they they're credited for some work on uh, Diablo 2 resurrected. So you gotta think maybe that was a bit of a dry run for them to see how they could support um, you know, the next entry in that series. So um, I mean, my bets will be there and it's, it's going to be weird not using that name vicarious visions anymore. And I, I think they're called just blizzard Albany now. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. so. Yeah. Not, That's crazy. I, vicarious visions is, uh, is, is a pretty cool name. So, so rip the cool name, but yeah, I'm my bets on, on Diablo, at least as a support studio to begin with. And then, uh, yeah, maybe they'll, they'll, they'll get their hands dirty with, with, the series a little bit more uh, as we get further on.
2: It's really interesting because as long as I can remember, which isn't very long, but for a long time, you know, you remember seeing Vicarious Visions on those startup screens of certain games and their logo and everything always like made me feel a certain way. Yeah. And uh, now it just won't be there, which again, their work is still going to be there. The people involved for the most part will still be there. And the culture I assume within that studio will stay similar to how it has been. But uh, I wonder how they're feeling there. Uh, you know, I'm sure the, to some extent their pay is going to change a little bit. Um, the culture will change a little bit. The types of projects they're working on will change a little bit. But, you know, hopefully we still get the same amount of work. I just hope we don't lose things like the Crash remakes or the Tony Hawk remakes and stuff like that. Yeah,
1: I was going to say that has to be weird. Kind of like a full loss of identity. Yes. I don't know.
2: Yeah. Just like, and I'm sure
1: along with it will come some good. Um, I think being a part of a bigger entity can be good. It can also be bad. Um, but yeah, that has to be so strange, just getting absorbed. And then, you know, if you were there for a while, it's like, like Dave said, you just not even the same name anymore. It's just completely different. So, right.
0: And if you kind of look through some of the stuff they've, they've worked on over the years, it's, it's been such a breadth of different games. So you can't help but think that they're going to lose a bit of of, of stretching their legs and creativity if they're only going to be working on like a Diablo going forward. So, right.
1: and there's know, only there's only so much Blizzard IP, like legitimately. So, yeah. they they were working on a bunch of different things, like they've said, and yeah, it's definitely going to be different.
2: I was uh, not intending on discussing this, but as I was looking at this tweet from Vicarious Visions, I saw, uh, or I'm sorry, Blizzard Albany. I saw a tweet uh, pop up underneath it that I saw earlier in the day and just forgot to mention. Um, but certain affinity tweeted out. We've been part of the Halo franchise for more than 15 years, and we're honored to say that we're deepening our relationship with 343 and have been entrusted with further evolving Halo Infinite in some new and exciting ways. Join us on our journey. And of course, they put a careers link there because if people want to work for certain affinity, but they really want to work on Halo. That's a big title to have on your resume. Um, Now, we know that Certain Affinity has worked with Halo or worked on Halo in the past. I think they worked with them all the way up through Reach, as a matter of fact, which, of course, was still with Bungie. Did Bungie? Yeah, Bungie still had it when it it was when Reach came out. Mm -hmm. Um, But they're going to be helping to work on it. And uh, we know that, you know, 343 has had some issues with Halo Infinite and it's not quite in the state people want. Dave, Certain Affinity, is them getting brought in to help 343? work on Halo Infinite, a good or a bad sign?
0: I think it's a good thing. Um, I it, it at the very least tells me that 343, three, and we probably already knew this, but it at least tells us that, you know, um, they want to support this game long term. And maybe they've started to realize that just looking at their own resources probably isn't enough to achieve their goals. It also suggests that the scope they had on this game long term is quite a bit bigger than what we saw on day one, um, which again suggests it's going to be a game that's going to live on for quite a while. Um, it also probably frees up some of the some of the main development team to move on to maybe you know a sequel or, or some new stuff, either from you know in the Halo franchise or just a new IP. So, sure, uh, yeah, it's all good. Brendan?
1: no, I think this is going to be great. I kind of hope that they help to bolster their multiplayer. Um, experience a little bit Um, i know there's been some questioning of the drive of the game post-launch i know the beginning was really strong but i feel like a lot of people have fallen off so i kind of hope they can breathe some fresh air into that Um, and dave's right they might be able to continue to work on the forge mode or the co-op mode which i know i think just got delayed again or there hasn't been much talk about it something like that right but it's definitely not a bad thing. I don't think it's a help or drowning type thing because I think the bones are there and really good Yeah, for the game they have set up. Now they just need to expand. Um, so I think this is definitely good. And to have a, a studio that is like historically working right. on these sort of things is also really good. So definitely good news as far as I'm concerned.
2: Yeah, because some of the, the people who worked on early halo multiplayer are involved for sure with certain affinity and um, so i think that'll be good and we know that 343 uses a lot of contract work already this is just them bringing in a team that's got some experience and also you know they're contracting them as an entity so it's it's no secret that halo has been struggling and especially in the public eye whether or not in reality uh there are certainly people who love it but it's definitely got some work to do to regain the ground they've lost, I think. So we'll see. Hopefully, this works out. And I think bringing in someone to help is not usually going to end up in a bad product. So we'll see. Okay. This comes by way of Eurogamer. And it says that Guardians of the Galaxy developer addresses Square Enix sales expectations, how it wanted to create a new Marvel IP. Quote, last year, Eidos Montreal released Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy, its own original take on Marvel's oddball spacefaring family to largely positive reviews, which praised its single player focus, character work and humor. But it remained unclear how well the game had performed commercially. And in February, publisher Square Enix said the title had undershot expectations. And this is my own commentary here, but we know that Square Enix always says games undershoot their expectations. Um, <sighs> It's hard to know how much that's true and what their expectations were, if they were realistic or not. Anyway, that's what they said. Um, I think it's a, quote. I think it's a great ride. It's emotional. It has a lot of qualities. Said Guardians of the Galaxy senior director Jean France Jean Frank Dugas. I think is how you say it. Is the game perfect? Like any game, no. I don't think it's perfect, but it always can be. Is it a great ride? And is it something this year? Or last year that you played, that's unlike everything else. And is it worth spending your time on? I honestly think it is from a game standpoint. Um, let's not forget it's a new IP. Even though we all say Guardians of the Galaxy are known, it's still a new IP in the video game market. It could be a lot of people don't even know that the game is out yet or they're not sure exactly what it is. But thanks to the uh, word of mouth and its arrival on Game Pass, Duga now feels the game is doing well. Quote, it's like anything, we always want to sell trillions, but not necessarily as easy as that. So Trillions? That, I mean, God, there, you want to sell yeah. trillions well, of copies sure, of game, sure, sure, sure. Yeah. sure, sure. Um, Brandon, you've played Guardians. I've played Guardians. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dave, I don't think you've gotten to it yet. Is that right?
0: No, it's next up on my list, but I'm not there yet.
2: Okay, cool. Brandon, tell me a little bit about the Guardians, why people should play Guardians.
1: I don't know, man. I, uh, I We've
2: both preached it for a long yeah,
1: time. Yeah, no, no. I, I think that this game kind of came out of nowhere for me personally. Um, it is a really high-quality um, single-player experience and it's fully flushed out there's no microtransactions. there's no gimmicky anything about it the game is what it is um and uh yeah it just brings together a really unique like um team-based gameplay um that i haven't really played games like this before yeah um and the writing. The writing is really, really good, too. Um, I enjoyed a lot of the humor, and I thought the story, especially by the end, I felt really, really compelled and moved by a lot of the characters. Um, so just kind of out of nowhere. And to say that Square thought it didn't do well kind of sucks. Yeah. Um, sales-wise, but I'm hoping that over time um, that will be remedied Um. He's saying maybe more people will learn about it by word of mouth and stuff. I don't know what bet is is a better advertisement than winning best narrative, right? Um, at the biggest g- gaming event award ceremony uh, in the world. So right,
2: yeah, it certainly has a lot of a lot of good things going for it. And again, like I'm not real confident in knowing that square says it didn't meet expectations because i've seen them say that before to games that have sold seven and eight million copies uh which is not <laughs> anything to shake a <laughs> Not anything out, to shake. No. Stick... Yeah, that's to no put it. uh dave how you feeling going in you haven't played guardian jet but you want to what do you hear like it's hard for me to know what's really out there because i've played it i have my own perceptions on it right now but what are the perceptions you're hearing you're you're feeling like the game's got and and maybe has it changed in the last couple months
0: yeah, I mean, I've I remember when it first came out, and and I I didn't jump on it immediately just because it didn't it didn't seem like a really long game. It didn't seem like something that I was going to get a whole lot of value out of, and and the gameplay seemed a little undercooked. Um, but the more I heard you guys talk about it, and obviously it's sort of winning awards and stuff. I think as the one thing I'm looking most forward to, as Brandon just alluded to, is is that story. Seems like they really nailed it out of the park, and. Um, I think that camaraderie and comedy that's built between that little team is, is something that we have high expectations for already because of the movies. And it sounds like they, they kind of knocked it right out of the park with the game. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it it was always a risk. These, these two games, Guardians and and Avengers were, were a risk because, you know, it's such a big license and, you know, you couldn't use those familiar characters and that, um, you know the likenesses from the movies and stuff so it was always going to be a tough sell because people are going to look at it and say this that those are the people from the movies but right you know we obviously had a bit of a flop with avengers but i was happy to see that um you know the studio had felt like uh guardians had started to find more of its audience on game pass um whether they're seeing sort of the monetary benefit from that we don't know but um I don't know. Maybe Square Enix needs to drop its expectations a little bit because I think the only game that succeeded their expectations in the past year and a half was Outriders, right? And uh, that was a Day One Game Pass, so yeah.
2: And yeah. I think that game they expected to sell like forty-seven copies. Well, dude, also what are the numbers now, though? That's the funniest part of life for Outriders. Yeah, yeah, they're not great.
1: <laughs> I don't think. I bet there's more people playing, freaking guardians right now than outriders oh right now for sure because it's a
2: print yeah. yeah
0: but outriders was dope and you should all play it uh i played a couple hours of it but i, I need to go
2: back
1: to i it want something. to try it yeah but
0: it's an easy platinum brandon
1: oh is it yeah interesting i love easy platinum I, it, the game just has to hold me that's it's the also
0: thing. in
2: game pass though so you can play it is there it and, true? You know,
1: although the skywalker saga mm. i'll talk about that later mm-hmm. i've been thinking about it. i'm not even a star wars fan but i'm interested in that so that just shows you the power. That's right, dude. I just really? want to be. Really, you're, yo-
0: you're not a Star Wars fan.
1: Uh no.
0: Ah, I
1: did not no. know that. No, yeah. Everyone boos me and poops me for it. Um, I'm, I'm not like a Star Trek fan either, very much. Um, I just don't subscribe to many. <laughs>
2: what are you a fan of?
1: Do you like sci-fi at all? I'm more of a fantasy guy, to be honest with you. That's the thing. I think. But
2: you hate Lord of the Rings. The greatest I, fantasy I've ever barely told.
1: given it a try. To be honest with you, Ben, I think you're a poser. That's okay. <laughs> that 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 is okay. Thou I shall will, not poo-poo Ben. I will allow you to <laughs> perceive me in that way, even though it's
2: untrue. Okay, okay, but for real, what kind of fantasy? You mean like as far as video games? You're more of a fantasy. Yeah, 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 yeah definitely. I've I've rarely gravitated towards
1: sci-fi um and more often gravitated towards fantasy right. for sure for sure so
2: and just just for the record star wars and star trek are nothing alike
1: i know but i'm just Other thinking of Jared like space. grandiose uh right. space series right i like both personally but and i do think the movies are even good the star trek movies the new ones with chris pine i think those are great yeah they're good movies. um but that's about as far as it goes yeah
2: i got gotcha. you so dave okay something else just came up is the do you just have it rolled up or is the shirt you're wearing like three-quarter length it's rolled up okay so it's a full-length sweater
1: yeah okay i thought it was a hoodie
2: Uh, it is but i used not use his (laughs) language because i was afraid he would
0: brandon are you taking off your hoodie there it's getting a little warm in there
1: i am taking off my zippered hoodie it doesn't have a hood if you didn't see i didn't want you to confuse it with a sweater because if like i wanted you to be able to see the hood to know it was a hoodie. And that it was not a sweater is what I'm trying to say. Yep. Thank you. I appreciate you're that. You're welcome.
2: I used to have this actual sweater, <laughs> not a fake hoodie sweater. <laughs> and it had ducks on it. And it didn't have sleeves. It was just like a, a vest. But it wasn't a vest. It was, a, it was like a sweater without sleeves. And I would wear it like to church on top of it. And it just had these cute little ducks on it. Wow. This is like 10 like years that. ago. I like that. It was, it was fine.
0: If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. Mm-hmm.
2: Remedy Entertainment, this is almost a week old, but it came out right after we recorded last week. Remedy Entertainment announces Max Payne 1 and 2 remakes being published by Rockstar Games. Where this comes via respawnstation.com. It says on Wednesday, April 6th, literally the day after we recorded, Remedy announced a new publishing agreement with Rockstar Games, which they will be re- remaking the original Max Payne and Max Payne 2, The Fall of Max Payne, for PlayStation 5, Xbox Series, and PC. The games will be released as a standalone title and will be developed on Remedy's in house game engine, Northlights, which they've also used for Control and Quantum Break. The project is being funded by Rockstar Games, who currently holds the IP for the Max Payne franchise. Now, have, first of all, have either of you played Max Payne games in the past? Brandon shaking no, his head vigorously.
1: No. I've watched Dustin play Max
2: Payne games in high school. That's about it. Dave says no as well. Okay. Well, then we could just talk a little bit about respawn and Rockstar and that relationship and everything. I will say that the Max Payne games are the first two, at least. I I only played a little bit of the third one, if I recall correctly. I think I got it from like Red Box or something yeah. back in the day. But the first two are amazing; they're masterpieces. They are right on my alley, honestly. Yeah. I I really do think that
1: I will. I watched Justin play three. I don't know anything about the first two. Yeah.
2: Um the the third one is not as critically beloved. Oh really it's still a good game, if I remember. That's where he's
0: bald and he has a Hawaiian shirt.
2: Yes. Okay. that is three.
1: Yes. Yeah, because I just remember no never mind. He's just killing it. There's just a bunch of hookers. I remember <laughs> <laughs> just dead hookers. Um The fall of Max Payne. Yeah. Mean, yeah. But um Oh, that's two actually. That's good interesting. Point. That's really interesting. I actually I can't believe I didn't see that last week.
2: That news, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so you are a big Max Payne fan? I don't know if you can call me a big Max Payne fan because I haven't played them in over like a decade, but uh, I would say I was a big Max pain fan. I really enjoyed them. Um, one of the big features that I feel like I hadn't seen in games before Max the first Max pain was the um, like the bullet time mm. uh, type stuff that happened and like the slowdown of time around you and everything. Um, the other thing I remember about Max Payne is this one guy at my church when I was a, when I was a kid or whatever whatever time period that was in my life uh, wouldn't let his kids play it because at one point Max Payne uh, entered into a room with like some occult stuff. You know and I mean, he was fighting against oh, them, shit. but he was like, I don't want that imagery. And I'm like, well, he's fighting against it. Like it's he, like it's no, never mind. Dude, so, <laughs> dude, I go
1: to church and say, fuck Satan. And they kicked me out. I thought we all hated that guy. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, so. The bigger thing here is Remedy is going to be working with Rockstar, and Rock- so Rockstar is the IP holder. It's just one and two. and they're, It's just one and two. Okay. I think three is probably one um, underrated, like poorly rated enough that they didn't think it was worth bringing back, and two, it's it's a lot newer. Okay. So there's probably not as much of a reason to remake it quite yet. It's Although, not even getting bundled in there. It's just cut out altogether. Only- I think one and two will be bundled if I had to guess, okay. but I don't know that for sure. Interesting. Uh, my my other guess is that they're going to do these in hopes of reviving the series and doing another Max Payne. That would
1: be awesome.
2: But um, it's nice to see Rockstar is letting someone remake an old IP, I yeah, think. Yeah, dude. Uh, we don't see that very often, but I also just want to talk about Remedy. Remedy's got like 47 projects. I, I've used 47 as an example now, twice in the show. Um, Dave, do you think Remedy is taking on too much? I mean, they just uh, they just did Crossfire, which was not well-received at all um they're working on we think they're working on um uh perfect dark perfect no not perfect dark. No, no 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 um i'm trying to say the name of the game i'll try to say the name again i'll figure it out here soon um but they're working on a lot i think i think last i counted i got five or six different titles going on at the moment how, how do you think a small-ish team i think they're you know decent size how do you think is this healthy for a studio to do this are we going to get something good
0: uh Alan Wake 2. That's the other one. We yeah, know it, Alan Wake 2. It would kind of concern me, because I mean Alan Wake 2 seems pretty ambitious. Yeah. Um, so you know, remakes are normally a good thing, but we've seen them go south pretty quick. I'm thinking about GTA last year. I know that wasn't a remake, that was more of a remaster, but um yeah, is this a quick cash grab so they can fund bigger projects? So they actually gonna you know put the Put the beans into this to make something, you know, Resident Evil Two esque or Final Fantasy 7 remake esque. I, sure I think Rockstar
2: that's... would never go for a cash grab.
0: <laughs> and yeah, I mean, just having that name tied to it is is sort of raises alarm bells. But you know, I hope I hope they have a separate team that's able to dedicate to this, and maybe Rockstar is giving them some resources because. I mean, you're right. Maybe this is a way for Remedy and Rockstar to test the waters to see if there is interest out there for you know, a proper revival in the series. So fingers right. crossed on this one, but there, there definitely is reason to raise a bit of an eyebrow at it. Yeah. I honestly think that it's very
1: possible that after the shenanigans that took place around the last remake, um, that maybe they're just going to try and farm this out and just have somebody else do it now. Yeah. They honestly took a bunch of bad PR around that. And Rockstar rarely takes bad PR. Rarely. Aside from them shitting on Red Dead Redemption 2 online, which is never going to take off and it's never going to be GTA RP. No. Um, Like, aside aside from the lack of support there, they usually have really good PR. Right. Left and right. So I wonder if, honestly, that's what it was, is they tried it out themselves and realized, wow, we're really not a remake studio, huh? Well, they didn't even...
2: Redo Grand Theft Auto. It was AI mostly, but still. Yeah. Well, they hired somebody else to do the AI.
1: Oh, yeah. I, I thought they did that in house. No, they didn't do
2: that in house. Oh. By the way, also, you asked about three. Remedy did not work on on uh, three. Max oh, three, okay. It looks like based on my cursory Google search. Gotcha. This actually opens up a big possibility for a
1: bunch of IP. I mean, imagine they could farm out Bully. They won't why I,
2: I think bully is just the time has passed for that game
1: i get what you're saying i guess but i mean i would love i mean it. the just think of the shit that's in gta 5 though i mean that's oh, yeah. like incredibly <laughs> offensive i don't know yeah. i just feel like if it would it, if it was made now okay but right. if it if it's a remake of something that's already made i don't know how much slack they could possibly get into
2: yeah. but i don't know maybe well so first of all i said they won't there are have been a lot of rumors around bully being remade yeah and i would love to see that and someone else can do it then. i just That's what feel I'm like the potential cash grab there is not that would be a bad pr hit and you're right rockstar doesn't take a lot of bad pr hits i don't know
1: um it's interesting a little mixed on it i do think it is definitely noteworthy that somebody else like big Remedy yeah. is doing this. I think that's very interesting to me.
2: Well, I mean they did re- they did make the originals. Still. Yeah. It makes sense. I don't think Rockstar that. often does something like this. No, I can't think of any other really other any other time they've done this. I mean, they were essentially the publisher on the first two, and I think they you know their internal teams developed the the third one. So, so curious. I uh I don't know if I'll actually get to it, but I have every intention of playing the first two, or at least the first one again. Yeah. Now, if that means I play it for an hour and scratch that nostalgia itch. Perfect. If it means I end up blitzing through the whole thing, we'll see. Um, but either way, I'm, I'm going to go back and do it. Cause I, I remember really enjoying those games and um, have a lot of nostalgia. I guess you could say for them, Brandon, this one's specifically for you. I picked it. I wouldn't have normally picked this, but I picked it specifically because okay. I knew you'd be into it. Yeah. Eurogamer reports that a new Subnautica game is in early development. Quote, with so little to go on right now, it's unclear if this is a full sequel, a spinoff, or something different altogether. But a recent job advertisement from developers, development studio Unknown Worlds hinted that the studio was seeking a narrative designer to shape the next game in the Subnautica universe. Quote, we're seeking a senior narrative designer to work with us to help shape the next game in the Subnautica universe. Um, developer Unknown Worlds tweeted earlier this week. Come and join our fully remote studio and let's make great games together. Though not certain, of course, it seems as though this is a different project to what Unknown Worlds codenamed Project M, which was described as a wholly unique turn-based strategy game set in a sci-fi world. Brandon, you really enjoyed Subnautica and I think you played some of the DLC as well. So that's part of the big confusion of all of this is Below Zero was
1: a standalone game that has nothing... Well, not nothing okay. to do with the other game because it is the same. You're right, I didn't but, know that. But that's part of the problem and in, in part of the entire lead up to Below Zero. And I I will say the, the first Subnautica grabbed me a lot more than Below Zero did. And I don't, I don't know if it was the mixed messaging or the final product, but I'm really interested in them doing something new because Below Zero did not grab me um, as much as the first one did. And I could never put my... Hand on why, yeah. Um, but it's an incredibly talented studio. Incredibly, um, I think these games are top notch. Um, there's not many survival games like this that I actually enjoy,
2: and I really, really enjoyed. Um, you should go work for them. They're working. They're looking for a senior <laughs> narrative designer. Wow,
1: well, you could tell by the way I talk that I would be really good remote. At that. Perfect. Yes. Yeah. Um. But no, that's really exciting. I'm glad to see that. Um. Their success. Um, from Below Zero is enough to keep them going. Um, Because like I said, I do think it's an incredibly talented studio. um, And I would encourage anyone who is even slightly fascinated with any sort of ocean life um, to explore those games because it is both terrifying and mesmerizing um, floating through the sea and discovering unique creatures. Uh, It really makes you question uh, how much of those games could mirror our oceans. And it really makes you wonder what's out there. Um, the ocean is truly a strange and different world from our own. Yeah, uh, it's pretty cool. Yeah.
2: Dave, are you uh looking to get wet? Ayo. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> oh
0: man. Is that game in VR?
2: I don't
0: think. I
2: you know, I'd... I feel like I saw a mod for it, but I can't tell you if it's actually possibly natively in, yeah. in VR.
0: That'd be cool if they could make that work in VR. I've always it's always been a game I've been curious about. And thank you, Brandon. I had no idea that below zero was not as best A sequel.
2: Um. So that's that's good to know. But I think you told me that at one point, and I still didn't remember.
1: Well, no, no, it it is like a different game, though. It's not like a DLC or anything.
2: It's literally just like a different Subnautica.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's it's it it has very similar aspects to the other one, but it's like a different setting, right? So, Hmm. and a lot of people thought it was just a DLC. Yeah, Um, but it's. It's a different game.
0: You know when like uh, a sequel for a game is announced that you didn't play and then once the sequel is announced you're like that seems cool I'm gonna go back and check that out that's sort of my situation with Subnautica I think yeah it's always been like a cursory game for me but uh yeah I don't know I'll keep an eye on it but this um it's an interesting it's, it's nice to see these different takes on video games you know it's not World War II it's not dark fantasy or something but it's it's a completely different um sort of take so i mean it's always nice to see fresh ideas that's for sure
1: yeah and they um they did next-gen patches um for both of the new games so if you have a next-gen console and you're not playing on pc both the old one and the new one are up to par um so that's really good to see nice
2: dave that one was for brandon primarily this one's coming for you a little bit more because i know you've got more of an interest uh or at least as much According to VideoGamesChronicle.com, Battlefield 2042's concurrent player count on Steam reportedly fell below 1,000 for the first time on Monday. That's according to Steam Charts information spotted by a Resetera user. It shows that earlier today, this is uh, yesterday, it shows that earlier today just 979 people were playing the game at one point. It's worth noting that SteamDB data for April 11th shows today's concurrent player count as low as 1021 so it was over a thousand but just barely battlefield 40 2042 was released in november had an average concurrent player count of 1.963 that's uh 1,963 over the past 30 days according to steam charts that's significantly lower than its predecessor 2018's battlefield 5 which had an average concurrent player count of 11,585 during the same period so 10,000 ish more people were playing battlefield 5 Fellow November 2021 release Halo Infinite had an average concurrent player count of 5,767 over the past 30 days. I just want to point out just totally unrelated, but I felt like it was important to uh, mention. I think the lowest I've seen uh, see concurrent player count on Steam where it's not even that's primary console uh, is like 14,000. But Ooh. that's just, you know, just going to th- just whatever. Just only beaten it by almost three uh in february publisher electronic arts at- reportedly attributed some of battlefield 2042's struggles to the surprise early launch of halo infinite's comparatively polished <sighs> multiplayer experience God. now comparatively polished in this uh context is something to say about yeah, yeah. so dave that's a joke you were i think we all three were really looking forward to battlefield 2042 i think you were the most hyped for it and nearly bought it but you didn't what's the what's the feeling there what's how, do you feel like you made a good move
0: yeah, and I like I'm going back to like October when they had the beta and I was playing it on my Series S. So I knew I was wasn't playing like the best version of the game, but we talked about it on the show and I just thought like, "Fellas, I know this is a beta, but this this is starting to stink of of a typical bad Battlefield launch." And, you know, I at that time I was hoping I was wrong, but it certainly seemed like it was going to be bad. I had no idea it was going to be this bad. This player count is like historically bad. And I, you know, the Sea of Thieves things was was sort of tongue in cheek, but it's, it's relevant. It's really relevant. Sure. And it's, I think it's a great comparison. It's also a f- almost five-year-old game. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> this is a brand new Battlefield game. Like this is, this is crazy. And, you know, one of the big reasons I think the number is so low is not, you know, it's not a hundred percent attributable to the fact that it's just been so poorly received. It's just been so poorly supported. I was seeing a tweet today that was comparing um, the amount of support that like the last three or four Battlefield mainline games had gotten five months after launch. And it was listing like, you know, Battlefield 5 had this many weapons and this many maps five months after launch and Battlefield 4 had this many and this many. Battlefield 2042 has received zero additional content. So even the people who want to keep playing it literally have no reason to keep playing it because they're not supporting the game at all. Well, yeah. Dave,
2: you're actually wrong. They released a scoreboard for matches <laughs> recently. Dude, okay. I'm not
1: joking. I'm pretty sure I saw somewhere one of the one of the heads was like, Yeah, we've really learned from our mistakes here, and we're we're just gonna do better on the next one. So legitimately, Dave, <laughs> I'm not joking, but I actually think
0: they're pretty much cutting and drying this game. I'm serious. People um, paid full price day one to play I'm this serious. Game. and I, I I don't blame them for for going and doing this because it's Battlefield. It's a fucking right. awesome series. So to to see them cut bait like this, and I, I'm pretty sure they're you know they're gonna put something in the game. I don't know what the delay is, but there's people who want to play this game, and like you got to put something in it to keep people interested. Yeah, like but a thousand. It's. Oh, I, I'm convinced that number would obviously be a lot higher <laughs> if there was something else to strive for. But it right no uh, again. Obviously. I'll go back to what I said. I don't think any of us thought it was going to be this bad.
1: No, no, really, I I did not. I don't think anybody did.
2: No, I I knew it was I, I had it had that stank on it. I think from the beginning, but I didn't certainly didn't expect it to be downright abysmal. Uh, and of course, we know that the Steam numbers aren't the only numbers. There's people playing it on the consoles as well, but it's usually a good indication of the health of a game. Right. Because there's a huge PC audience. Certainly. Especially in comparison to consoles. Well, it's, it's many times larger. So. Yeah. I was going to say, I feel like Battlefield is a is a big PC game, too. It is. Yeah. I think so, that's true. Like, specifically
1: Battlefield. So. Right.
2: Yeah. And even Halo's count there of you know, like 5,000 something. Um, I, I would imagine Halo probably... This is purely a guess. I feel like Halo is... Traditionally, been more of a console game, right? And so, probably there are plenty of people playing it. There's probably more people playing it on console than on PC. But still, it's you know, it's a good indication of the health of a game. And yeah, it doesn't appear that Battlefield is not very
1: healthy. It's on. It's in hospice. It's Um, in hospice. It's 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 about to pass. It's about well. Okay,
2: give us some morphine. What are they doing? But yeah, that that was a joke. But it's also true, Dave. That that game launched and was out for. think four months without a scoreboard to see how many to see like your KD during the match, like every other multiplayer game that has launched in the past 25 years has had. That's insane to me. Yeah, it seems like the absolute basics Um, just kind of eluded them. Yeah, I don't get it. I certainly don't get it. All right. I think that's all the news here. Let me just double check. I might have had one more article that we could read off. Oh, this is just real quick. Um, Activision Blizzard has come out and said that all U.S.-based QA testers will become full-time employees. Uh, This is from videogameschronicle.com. The company also revealed that the employees would receive an hourly wage increase to a minimum of $20 per hour. A statement from Activision Blizzard reads, Today we announced the conversion of all U.S.-based temporary and contingent QA team members at Activision Publishing and Blizzard, nearly 1,100 people in total, to permanent full-time employees starting on July 1. An internal email from COO Joshua Taub reads, QA is and continues to be critical to our development success. We have amazing QA teams in place that work hard to ensure our players have the best possible gaming experiences. Uh, so, QA—a really super important part of game development that a lot of people don't talk about or think about or, frankly, give much attention to. Uh, Activision Blizzard came under fire a little while back, saying, you know, with people saying like they're they need paid more and they need to actually get benefits and stuff like that, uh, and be, be full time employees. Um, I think that's a good thing. It's great to see people in the industry move forward. Uh, Brandon, what do you um do? You have have you ever thought about not that you want to go do this for a living, right. but have you ever thought about being a QA tester? What what that involves? No, I've definitely thought about it. Um, was this Ravensoft specifically? I think it was. It was primarily the people
1: at Raven because I remember them specifically were having a lot of issues like a couple months ago. So I, would yeah, I would imagine, but. Yeah. No, I mean, it's definitely important um, and I think that you can never do enough QA testing um, beforehand. um, And some games show a lot more when they don't. Um, And I think it's great. I mean, honestly, Microsoft has the money. um, So why wouldn't they offer their full-time employees good wages for doing a quality job, helping uh, to make a game better that makes them millions of dollars. So I think that's a fair trade-off.
2: They've QA testing, we often think like, I shouldn't say we, but I mean like people in general think like, oh, you're getting paid to just play a game all day. That sounds pretty great. But in real, realistically, these people are going in, trying every part of the game. They're trying to, they're literally trying to break it, trying to do things in a certain order. They have to write down if they push X and then, uh, and then, um, what's another button why uh in quick succession if that made them jump out of the map or you know like they have to document literally every single thing that they do uh does that sound like something that you'd want to do for 20 bucks an hour
0: i've always thought of it as like these are unsung heroes because that that i've always thought of it as like an incredibly tedious job because right. you're right it's you're not a twitch streamer you're not sitting there playing a game the way you want to play it for 12 hours a day you're like doing the most menial repetitive tasks over and over again so yeah i mean it's it's definitely a tough job and and um i'm wondering if activision was kind of taking advantage of 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 this position because you know i've never developed a game before but i'm i'm assuming in most straight line video game development projects qa is definitely is generally something that comes towards the end of the project so right you know, you can make that argument that this is this is a very specific need at a very specific point in time in the project. So, of course, we're going to make them contract. But when you're a company the size of Activision Blizzard and now with Microsoft backing, with as many projects coming through the the pipeline in so many different stages of their life cycle, you know, you can afford to pay these people and have them as full time employees and give them benefits because they have a shitty job and you're going to need them year round. So this might, you know, set the bar for some of the other larger company, video game development companies out there to say, you know, if you've got these QA people and you need them, you, you know, this should be the norm. Now These should be full-time employees. They should get paid a, a decent wage and give them benefits. So I think it's a good thing. Absolutely. I agree.
2: Uh, it, yeah, it's funny. So a lot of people know, I, I work for Lilymo games and, um, Barry does most of our testing. Like he'll play the game inside and out 5,000 times, but then we just give it out to, you know, a select group of people, but mostly just the people who are, you know, sideline work for us, contract, whatever. Uh, Cause we only develop like one project a year. Or so, and uh, they're usually pretty small projects. So we have like people doing art and people doing uh, other stuff like that. So we just give it to them and ask them to have a few people play it. And, you know, if they see any bugs or have any feedback report it, but to, to imagine the amount of work that would go into to one of these $20 million games or 50 or $150 million games, the amount of work that goes into them before it ever gets to the QA testers. And then once the QA testers get a hold of it, they're like, this is broken, this is broken, this is broken, this is broken, that has to go back. Like that's there's a lot of money riding on that. And imagine some of these games that we've seen be huge disasters if they just had better QA or more thorough or whatever, and it, it pays to pay the people who are doing it. I think it keeps them loyal. It keeps them happy uh, to, like you said, do a menial, not menial, but repetitive, um, somewhat boring job sometimes. I'm sure there's fun points in it, too. I mean, at, at the heart of it, you are getting to play video games, but you're really a, you're really a documentarian Yeah, what you are. It's like
1: walk across these pillars 5000 times and see
2: what happens if yeah. you do it this way <laughs> right. and this way and yeah. start
1: pressing this button. Now there. try
2: jumping on the third pillar. Now yeah. try jumping on the fourth pillar. Now jump from the fourth pillar back to the third <laughs> pillar exactly. while pressing Y and R2 at the same time. Yeah, there's yeah. a lot of yeah, just they're, they're literally trying to break the game to see cuz Players do unpredictable shit. They really do. <laughs> they really do. I was
0: watching this um, distortion two speedrunner runner. Uh, do Dude beat the game yeah. in, in Elden Ring in like nine minutes. And it's, it's whatever people find these glitches all the time, but I, I'm, I'm watching him do the zip thing. Yeah. And I'm like, how did somebody figure out that this is possible? Yeah. Like it's, it's just like, he was just standing in this one random spot. He's guarding with a sword and then he zips halfway across the map. Like, who I, figured that out? I think, I I think probably luck, but I think people
1: also fuck around a lot with macros. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I
2: think that's true.
0: All
2: right, boys, we're gonna talk about what we've been playing. Let's start with Dave. Dave, what's it looking like?
0: Um, so I I uh, I jumped back into Cuphead. I was I was uh, away a couple days this week, and I took my switch with me, and I, I kind of had a funny situation with with Cuphead. Um, there's this run and gun level in, in the third worlds or whatever, where like towards like the last third of the level, you have to jump on like the squid and then the squid starts moving forward. And like, I was stuck on this level for quite a while. Um, because like the squid kept like ducking below the water and, and I would take damage because anytime you hit the water, you take damage. So I'm like, do I just need to get to this part in the level and and sort of like have full health and tank these hits so I can get to the end of the level. And then it has this little pink thing on top of its head that you actually have to like jump and parry Cause when you do that, it shoots out a, uh, like a cannonball and destroys the iceberg. So it doesn't actually have to go under the water. So it was one of those moments where I was like, I did this for so long and I parried (laughs) that fucking thing without knowing that it was actually shooting at a ball. And you know what it reminded me of, uh, you know when Phil? I think I've heard this story where Phil played Skyrim over encumbered for like hours, not realizing yes. that. There was, <laughs> oh my I god! Think was, bro. I think
2: it was Skyrim. It might have been Fallout,
0: but either way, <laughs> that's hilarious. He was, he was walking around at this super slow pace, and he just thought that, that's how the game was. So, um, yeah, it was oh, a god. bit of a funny moment. But yeah. I've also been playing. This is kind of a weird one. So, um, I am going to uh, France with my wife in, uh, in the beginning of May. Ooh, um, yeah. So yeah, we've been wanting to do this trip for a little while and I, I'm weird. So when, whenever I, I go places like this, especially historical places where there's a lot of really cool old buildings and stuff, I like to not just know the name of the building or that it's a church or something, but I, I like to know a little bit of backstory to it, you know, a little bit of the history. Cause you're not always going to pay for a tour. And um, you know, it just gives it some more weight when you can look at a building and you know that, you know, King Louis, the 13th built it as a hunting lodge. And then his dad took it over as like, I'm talking about the Palace of Versailles. So, right, the reason I learned all this is because uh, I spent a few hours in Assassin's Creed Unity. I knew, <laughs> wow. I knew you were gonna say how about that? it? You can say what you want. I and I love the Assassin's Creed series. You guys know this, but one of the things right. I absolutely love about what they've done with all these games is like when you go to these different monuments and stuff. Like you'll walk up to. Notre Dame and you'll get this pop-up in your database and you open it up and it gives you like a you know a manageable chunk of history on that like historical place so I'm running through the open world and I'm just looking at different places that I'm actually going to go to in a couple weeks and I now will know a little bit more about them and I can climb up and down them and do all that cool stuff so I, it's kind of lame but um yeah I just had a hankering to jump in that game and I thought I could get a little bit of homework done <laughs> yeah dude that's time. awesome so.
2: I, I love um, I, I've also enjoyed the Assassin's Creed games in the past, and I've always had a, a fascination with Egypt, specifically ancient Egypt, and I've always thought like I'll never get to go there. But when Odyssey came out, I just went and literally just did the they had some kind of ver- of to, discovery of, um, tour, the discovery tour. That's right, where you could go through and look at stuff. And I mean, in that part of the game, they're, they're like actually explaining history to you. There were a few things there. And then in, in uh, Assassin's Creed three, I think the American Revolution one, uh, there were a couple of things that were like supposed to be factual. I was like, mm, that's not quite right. But anyway, uh, that was really fascinating. I was like, okay, well, you know, I'll probably never get to go to Egypt. I don't know. I, I don't really have a reason to go to Egypt other than just I want to look around. Um, but so I, I was able to do that. And it like really scratched an itch for a while. Uh, but then my brother-in-law married a woman from Egypt. So who knows? Maybe I'll go to Egypt someday and see how accurate Assassin's Creed is. We'll see. Uh, but that's what we're using now. To um, I, I like that though, Dave. I did the same thing. Well, it wasn't that I did the same thing, but uh, when I was in Italy, I was like, I remember that from Assassin's Creed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, oh, that wow, that's a lot further than I thought it was. You know. Kind of <laughs> yeah. like, so. Brandon, what about you? Talk to me.
1: Ah uh, well, um, well. I I'm just about to finish Horizon Forbidden West. Yeah. Um, I am one trophy away from well. Two including the platinum. Right. Um, but yeah, really honestly, I'm kind of excited to be done. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if I said this last week, but um very good game. Um I feel like it didn't hold me as much as the first one did. Right. I feel like it was a lot of the same good stuff, but I kinda wish there was a little bit more different. Right. Um and I don't know, I don't I don't know what I want different, but I just want something slightly different.
2: So how much of that do you think is due to the fact, and I'm just this is just a curiosity, to the fact that you've literally done everything else the game has to offer before you've beaten the final mission. Do you think it wore out its welcome because of that? Probably. I mean, it's
1: honestly been like probably longer than most people have spent on it. I think I'm like over sixty hours at this point. I don't think you should play this game for sixty hours. Yeah, I played it for 75 and I agree. Yeah. Yeah. So I think at that point I understand why it's out. uh, why it's like getting old at this point. Mm-hmm. Um but it'll be satisfying to finish I think at this point um right. especially cuz I literally have done almost everything. Yeah. Um, I think there might be one or two errands or something I haven't done but um I'm excited to move on. I'm excited to try Ghostwire here in a couple of days. Uh-huh. Um and then after that who the fuck knows what I'm going to play. Um but I've been playing Kirby too. Yes. Um, that's still a lot of fun. My son uh, beat Kirby, by the way. Did he? Yeah, he was really excited about it. He, and a, then
2: he immediately started the game over again.
1: Yeah, he's a lot quicker than I am.
2: Yeah. Um, well, I mean, the, he's not. Yeah. He's not so, playing anything yeah. else. And he has probably a less busy social schedule than you yeah. do. Um, what? He doesn't work 40 hours a week? <laughs> no. Just school and that's it. <laughs> but. Uh, but no. Yeah,
1: that's been a lot of fun to kind of pick up in between things here and there, Kirby. Yeah. Um, that game can be hard, though. A couple of the challenges on the bosses are no I think actually each boss has a no-hit challenge. Yeah. Um and that shit's hard as fuck, I to bet. be honest with you. I um I, I finished the first one no hit, but the second and third one are tough. So
2: yeah. But th- honestly that's it, man. Yeah. That is that is it. For me, the uh the only thing I've been playing outside of Streaming Sea of Thieves, uh it has been Ghostwire Tokyo. And I'll tell you what, Ghostwire So I've beaten the game. I'm working on the Platinum now. I'll talk about that in a minute. But uh, there's a lot of stuff to love about Ghostwire Tokyo. It's, uh, Its combat system is interesting, but not fantastic. Its story is passable, but not amazing. Its movement is interesting. I shouldn't say interesting. Its movement is satisfying, but janky, I feel like and the world is absolutely beautiful and all that everything about it looks amazing but there's a lot of things that hold it back like um some false verticality you can't climb some staircases that you see just because of there's an invisible wall because of why not yeah, uh for a for for like stairways and stuff yeah. there you're supposed to be able to, like you can traverse across the top of any of the buildings and that's great but sometimes the way you get up there by um latching on to shoes and and like grappling to them with a ghost with the ghost wire it can sometimes be a little broken and doesn't always work 100% the way it should um there are a billion collectibles in the game which i'm it's just scratching an itch there with uh being able to just kind of after I beat the story and have experienced all of the side quests and everything, just be able to like tune out and listen to a podcast or an audiobook or whatever. And just like run around collecting collectibles. No big deal that, that don't have like any story meaning to them. So like, I really am enjoying the game. I've put probably 30 hours into it at this point and you know, I'm working on the platinum. It shouldn't be much longer, but there's still something about me that's like, do I like this game? Yeah. Is this a good game or is it just, what i need right now right and i think it's a little bit of both i yeah. think it is a good game but it's also not a good game <laughs> at the same time yeah,
1: honestly that's what i I'll keep hearing from everybody in the reviews and everything honestly yeah um i think it it looks so beautiful right um i think it's so weird in a couple different ways i'm i'm really excited to check it out
2: yeah it it's definitely worth checking out i would 100 percent say that like if you're at all intrigued by it you should play it right uh, whether or not you want to spend the hours after you do the story to get the platinum is definitely up to you. I would say you'll know by the end of that time if you want to keep playing it. I I did, but I could I could have easily just as easily turned it off and not done it, it and been fine. Uh, I, I didn't have that need to keep playing it. Um, it yeah, there's some there's some weird stuff about it. I'm excited to talk about it after you play it. Uh, there's so there's some weird stuff about it, but it's also very there's something about it that keeps I keep wanting to jump back into it every day. Yeah. And play more of it. So, I also um, I haven't been playing anything else, but uh, I went ahead and I I picked up uh, the Skywalker Saga mm. for PS5. Yes. And I wasn't going to buy it right yet, but I was like looking at different websites. I was actually looking at BrickSeek to see if Walmart had it for ten dollars off. Because if it was ten dollars off, I was going to buy it. It's scarce, isn't it? Target didn't even have a spot for it on the shelf. GameStop was out of stock. Walmart had none on the shelf. They had one in a pile at the bottom of the shelving unit. They didn't have a spot on the on the shelf for it. Um, I looked on Best Buy. It wasn't available. So when I saw it at Walmart, I just grabbed the one copy they had. And as a matter of fact, the guy behind the counter, I said, I need to get this game. He goes, oh, we only had the PS4 version. I said, no, you have one of the other. He goes, no, we don't. I said, I, I I, can you come show you me what this, see it. what this game is? <laughs> like there was only one of it. that was buried. So I understand to some extent He's like, we didn't get any of those. We've been, people been asking for it all week. And I was like, well, there's one back here. I want you to tell me if, if I'm crazy or if, so. It was what I thought it was. Right. But it wasn't, it wasn't discounted and it was so scarce. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to buy it because it's here. Now I don't have it open. I haven't taken it out of the packaging. It's still in the bag, the Walmart bag. I got it in with the receipt in case specifically if the deluxe edition com- becomes available. If I see it by the time I'm ready, by the time I'm ready to crack that packaging, if I see the deluxe edition, I'm going to go for that because it's got like all sorts of DLC bundled in with it, which I don't even think I'll need, but it's, you know, if I can get it for $10, I'll do it. Right. Um, So I'm excited to jump into that, but I'm a little worried now that I've spent so much time running for collectibles in uh, Ghostwire. I'm like, am I going to have that same itch (laughs) Uh, for all the collectibles in in a Lego game? I know how many there are, but yeah. I think it'll be good. I mean, I, I love Star Wars and I love Lego and I, they're great games. You'll so. say
1: the feels so love? much different though.
2: It is. Very, it's very much different. Oh, that's one thing I wanted to say about Ghostwire. The controls, maybe it's my sensitivity is it's just set at whatever the default is, but sometimes the controls, you feel like you're playing a 2002 shooter, first person shooter, oh, just trying to like, you turn, you try to turn around and you move way too fast or you move God. way too slow. God. Maybe that's just the way I'm playing. Yeah. It. I, I mean, know, you got to
1: fuck, fuck with the settings. Yeah.
2: That's it. That's all I'm playing. Yeah, that's man. all we're playing. And that's all we got for the show. Damn. If you haven't already, go over to our Patreon at patreon.com slash handsome phantom. Sign up for there at a dollar a month or more if you want for ad-free early access. We appreciate it. You can also join the discord at handsomephantomcom discord. We'd love to hang out with you boys. Any last words before we head out for the week?
1: Not at all. All right.
2: That's what we got. Thanks guys. And we'll see you next time. The HP Podcast is supported by our patrons over at patreon.com slash handsomephantom. Jason Canham, Toby Ryland, Chaz Peterson, Edward Walton, Josh Cummings, Jared, Boots, Fusebro, Passive Pixels, Edwin Castillo, Maurice Bays, and HTrons.